and welcome to Chosen by Committee, the podcast where myself, Josh Heron, uh, John Rosenberg, and Christopher Munden read through every single Pulitzer Prize winning play since 1917, so you don't have to, or so you will read along with us. I don't uh, think that Lulu song was the best selling song of 68 or 67. Or it was. It, like, I mean, it was 67. It beat out, like, I think all. I think it beat out all of Sgt. Pepper. Um, I, I don't believe it. Uh, like I said, uh, my name is Josh Heron. I am um, an elementary school teacher and a theater lover. Uh, and I am joined by the new um the newest employee of the san jose sharks uh, <laughs> christopher munden views expressed here do not review express views of his employer <laughs> should we become a uh, are we become a hockey podcast now chris um i hope so if you can tell me a little bit about hockey that would be very useful go um and Southern California's favorite dad, John Rosenberg. I think that was from football, not uh, not hockey. I said goal. They don't have goals. What do they have? They have yeah, goals. no, they do. But the way you said it, it seemed too enthusiastic. Goal. I thought more you were. <laughs> Hello. Hi. And today we are talking about 1967's Pulitzer Prize winning drama, A Delicate Balance by Edward Albee. Um, Edward Albee was set to win the Pulitzer for 19, 1963 for Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, but the work was deemed too vulgar. Um, so we decided beforehand that we're probably gonna talk about that as well a little bit today. Um, and I think there are some similar themes um, and like we said, in the 60s, things are fast and loose. So we have jumped from, I think, 1962 to 1965 to 1957. And next week, we'll go to 1969, and then we'll be out of the 60s. Yeah, not a lot of the 60s. Um, uh, John um, finished the play today, which is more recently than either Chris or I. So maybe, John, will you, um, will you gift us with a synopsis of A Delicate Balance? Sure. The play takes place today in a uh, in a suburb of of the United States. The play is focused on the lives of a husband and wife, Abigail and I forget the husband's name, but it's I'll just say Agnes Hume Crone. And Tobias. Yeah. Agnes, and Agnes and Tobias. There we go. I was going to say Hume Crone and Jessica Tandy. That's how it's easier for me to remember. Um, they are a well-heeled. A comfortable couple and uh, the play takes place in their house and it's kind of uh, yeah it's it's a play of a family of sorts and they're very very smart people and uh, they are soon joined by uh, her sister who lives there um, who is a mouthy smart drunk and uh they soon find out that their daughter uh, is getting, leaving her husband, and this is her fourth marriage that is dissolved. So she's headed home. And soon they are joined by their best friends, 
a couple who show up uh, just frightened about something outside. Uh, so it's a, uh, it's, it's, um, it's a very straight ahead play, but with very, uh, with very uh, dark themes and the play basically happens over a weekend. And the friends basically say that they want to come stay live, come and live with them. And there's a collision of minds between who could live there. Uh, you see the the strains in a marriage, the fault lines, the lies, and what lies beneath people. And uh, the play wraps up over the weekend. Not much happens, but a lot is said. And yeah. You think it's a straight ahead play? I, in, in so I, I was shocked by how straight ahead the play is to me. Like I felt, I remember when I read it young, I was really, I think I, I mentioned in the last podcast, like there's the, there's the argument between the husband and wife about, you know, the wife is talking about how you lead, you make the decisions and I just kind of follow and all this stuff. But it shocked me how straight ahead the play is. Um, like, uh, yeah, I would, I would say it's a very, it's a very, uh, very straight ahead play, even though they, are very aware of their feelings and they reach for feelings and, and there's things that they don't understand. I think it's very straight ahead. Hmm. I am um, like, Oh, go ahead. I don't know. I read this and I read Virginia Woolf and for the first time, you know, I'd always seen Virginia Woolf as kind of a straight ahead play about a couple arguing I did see a later Albie play about someone who was in love with a goat. Do you know? The goat or who is Sylvia? I believe we will read that. Oh, um, which was weird and kind of like absurdist. But I had thought like that was him later on getting like weird. But reading these plays, I... Um, like I read them and it, they felt very much like um, almost absurdist plays. Like, um, like it, it can be read straight ahead, but there's so much going on beneath the surface and there's so much, it seems like allegory and like, it doesn't necessarily work as just a straight ahead play. This one, Virginia Woolf certainly does, but this one, like if you don't have that, like, almost uh what's a ionesco play that's um a bald soprano um it's just like a couple talking and um like that like it's weird that this couple the um who are the visiting couple in this play um not agnes and toby the other one i'm gonna say chris and josh but uh, yeah, Chris and Josh, it's um, Harry and Edna. Harry and Edna, like the reason they leave the house is because of fear. There's nothing like because of fear. Right, which is, which was always, it's very stunning and beautiful. But other than that, nothing happens with it. There's like, there's a mention of, I guess, I guess what's funny to me is like, I thought, I always thought that this play was a lot more something other than what it really was. And it surprised me that like, 
he basically mentions each character before they come on stage. He like lets you know that they're coming on and who it's, it's this beautiful idea of the friends being frightened about something outside, but then they just kind of go upstairs and like, there's a, there's a confrontation, but there's nothing they don't. And I don't mean this as a, as a criticism. They don't really go into the void. I mean, the thing that I keep finding about I'll be, and I think both of these plays um, is that they're like straightforward plays with like one or two sort of absurd elements in them, but they're not yeah. in and of themselves absurd, right? It's like, yeah, they're not, they're not like, absurd. Instead of like taking, like making absurdity the worldview, it's sort of like we live in this world and then something absurd happens, but we're all going to react to it in a way that like normal people would. Like, what do you do when you're at a dinner party and the couple that you're like with is having a sadistic mind game? <laughs> slash like weird sex play and you don't know what to do um who's very virginia wolf or like what do you do when your neighbors um like are afraid of something unknown and come in um like you know um it's interesting which is interesting because like the before both of these works my high school did an early edward Albee play called the american dream um which is very style well at least the way it was is very stylized and very very absurd so it's interesting the way in which he's like balanced those two things um and i'm curious about we're gonna read i think at least two other plays by him um so it'll be interesting to see how like that evolves um the thing that struck me the most the thing that i like stuck with me is this sort of like um was a and I haven't seen it in any of the stuff I've read, but I haven't read that much about this play. But what really struck me was um, the sadness about the meaninglessness, the, the meaninglessness of like friendship. Um, yeah. In yeah. sort of like post-war America, right? That like, especially with, between men, or even just like I guess that Agnes doesn't necessarily have a great friendship with um, Edith either, but it, it's. You know, at the end of the play, they're trying to ne negotiate whether or not they're going to let this couple stay at the house. And the um, and Harry is saying, like, well, to be honest, I wouldn't let you stay with us. And Tobias is like, but, but we're best friends. That has to account for something. Um, and the fact that these relationships can be, I think I've, like, I think I have seen, it is not, like, new, right? for something to critique um, the superficiality of like suburban white middle-class relationships. Like, I think that's really been done and said before, but I don't know if I've seen someone like discover that by surprise <laughs> um, or like let like, or like show that delusion being discovered. Um, I found really interesting and really heartbreaking. I'd extend it to not just friendships, but all the relationships, like the marriages. Um, I mean, the delicate balance, it's an interesting, interesting uh, name. It's like, it's like the whole facade is on a balance and like there's, there's not all that much holding it together. And like the, these marriages, sexless, um, unfaithful. It seems like both Harry and uh, Toby have had an affair with Claire, right? Mm -hmm. um, 
who's the daughter again? Daughter's not Claire. Julia. Uh, Julia. Is the, is the aunt. Um, they've given up her room. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I almost saw, like, the... Uh, the friendship and, and the superficiality of that friendship and, and the, the lack of foundation of that friendship when it, you know, they go to the club, they talk, but when they actually need each other, it's not there as, as kind of allegorical towards all of the relationships in this play and, and all relationships. It was, um, and I think that is part of what I'm saying is like, is like more than just this simple, like on its face conversation play. Like there's, there's something, uh, it, it almost doesn't work unless you have that allegory and, and, and it's, it's saying more than it seems like it's saying. I share my, uh, my favorite part of the play. Can you guess? Uh, I don't know. No, what is your favorite part of the play? cat story hmm. we remind <laughs> us of that uh it ends one of the acts so it's like a three-act play or four yeah scenes. it's the it's the husband talking about right before he met um agnes yeah. and saying how he like lived with this cat and that he loved this cat a lot and then at some point the cat just didn't really want his company anymore. The cat stopped loving him. Yeah, the cat stopped loving him and he kind of forced himself on the cat. Yeah. And someone says, wait, what does that mean? And he uh, said that, you know, just basically trying to get the cat to love him. And the cat like clawed at him and bit him. So he had the vet kill him. <laughs> yeah, it's that is absurd. And oh, it's brilliant. It's, I don't know, it, it seems to speak the whole play but it, it almost feels out of place too but um yeah like that idea of of you taking care of something and you wanting it to love it you and it just stops loving you and you kill it there was something so beautiful about that story i guess i guess what was strange to me about reading the or like revisiting the albi play is that he almost, I feel like he, he presents humans as another species than himself. And that there's something, there's something antiseptic about these plays. And there's something almost, there's something mournful about humans that he, he's looking back on. And I think, I think there, there's something about that, that just, and that might more, say more about me, but there's something that bothered me about that. I have a question. Yeah. Is it humans? Or, and I don't mean this sarcastically, or is it heterosexuals? Um, because I think of like the people that he gives clarity to. There's one person that I think he gives clarity to in the play. Claire. Claire. Uh, Claire. And then yeah. the other play, American Dream, um, the grandmother is sort of this like weird menacing sort of a similar role and she's an unmarried she's like an old spinster right or like I guess was married but divorced now does anyone have clarity in Virginia Woolf no but they're both I mean they're both like not in that same way right they're like in the same way that I think of like 
I think about like if everyone is in, a, in an experiment, right? If everyone is a different species, I feel like of all the characters, Claire is the one I can think of that like is the proxy for Albie. Yeah. Yeah, but there, there's there's a danger. I think to me, there's a danger to what he does. Is like these people are so aware of feelings and they're so able to like express how they feel in words and it, and put it succinctly or beautifully or really capture how they feel mm -hmm. um and i think with claire there's a danger to me because she's like the mouthy drunk that gets to tell the be the truth teller or something like that you know mm -hmm. it was strange because at some point reading it today i was like why doesn't anyone just hit somebody mm. you know like there's in i guess i guess i guess for me there's like an antiseptic feeling to these plays of like yes there's something lurking beneath the surface but they're all so well able to kind of grasp onto it or say things that fit perfectly in what's happening in the moment and i get it that like it's beautiful it's poetry it's great writing and all that but there's something about it today that just made me it made me feel empty in a way is it not around that upper middle class, like I don't, at Connecticut suburb? I don't know where. I, mean, it's at. I feel like, yeah, I feel like they are very repressed characters. Then I think of like Virginia Woolf. But they're, but I, it's funny. I don't experience them as repressed characters because, like, even within the first two pages, Agnes talks about you know if she was to kill herself. Mm. You know, like these aren't these aren't repressed characters at all. You know, like. I think there's a funny, there's a, he uses, there's a reason why these people are like this. And that's what bothers me about this play. It's because they lost a kid. Oh, yeah. You know, there's, there's like, the, there's an out for why they act the way they do. And it's because well, they lost a kid. And that's like, uh, like, the, like, Albie and the kid is like, it's a thing, like, that's in Virginia Wolf. It's in American Dream. There's like this thing with like, is it autobiographical at all? Did he lose a brother or something? I don't know. No, I mean, I, I think it like can represent like writer represents hope. It represents. Future. But, sorry, but to me, the difference between this and Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf is like you never know in Virginia Woolf is just part of, if it's part of the game. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like there's uh, it is right. I mean, I think that's a really open interpretation. Sure, and but in, but like, in this play, but in this play, there's no question. And, you know, there's the right. sordidness of, like, after after they lost the kid, you know, the husband having yeah. sex with the wife yeah. and, like, pulling himself out and, like, spilling oh, yeah. his seed yeah. on her stomach and all this shit, you know? And then being disgusted by that. It's okay to pull out, dude. It, it's just, like, there's a... Uh, I guess that's something that doesn't There's a polite... There's a... Sex, right? Oh, dear. There is a polite savagery to his work that, like, made me feel sad. Like, he's, he's so able to, like, capture the brutality of life, but that's all there is to him. There's only, there's only this, like... That's uh, a lot. What's I that? Mean, that's a lot. You can find other things and other playwrights but like but you know what's funny to me is that this play was dedicated to john steinbeck 
Listen. <laughs> yeah, it's dedicated to John Steinbeck, and it's funny to me because I think it's something like The Grapes of Wrath, mm. which is just this like brutal fucking book. Yeah, but, but it and it so it, that, it yeah. ends on this moment. You know, it's like the woman loses her loses the baby, and then she ends up breastfeeding the old man back yeah. to life. You know what I mean? There's something just stunning and and i think i think that's the funny thing to me about albie is like there's no to him there's no hope about the human race there's and like what's that there's a lot of hope in steinbeck yeah there is and i i for some reason today reading albie i was just slightly disappointed in him <laughs> yeah I, I guess i don't i don't think of albie as, as hopeful I'm curious no. changes because I haven't read any. That's of what you read LB for. Yeah. Do we agree that Virginia Woolf is superior? Oh, I I like it so much more. Yeah. I bet I bet John doesn't. I thought I rereading Virginia Woolf and seeing the movie. I those the play and the movie just like stunning to me. Um, what do you think, John? I just don't know what he's after. Mm. I think that's that's the funny thing. Like after I read this, I was like walking down the street and I was just thinking about, you know, it's like that bullshit with actors, you know, where actors, they need to have something on stage or they need something to drive them or whatever the fuck, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And just like reading his stuff, it's like, you know, there was like the version a few years ago with Kathleen Turner and Tracy Letts, mm -hmm. of, oh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, right? Yes. To Is me, that, it's. I want to see that. It's spectacle, though. Because, like, yeah, what the it. fuck am I watching? I think like, that was the movie is the movie feels way is better than any production I've ever seen. I mean, oh yeah, no, no, no. I mean, I think of it as like a play that gives so like. Like I think of Albie as like the closest thing that like I can get to like Greek drama, right? Or like, and I say that because like the only time I've ever had a cathartic experience in the, well, no, the first time, the most intense time I've had a cathartic experience in the theater was seeing Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf in an in-the-round theater in San Diego going in totally blind. I was probably like 14 or 15 and I had, I knew it was like, I knew it was an important play. I knew it was two couples. I knew, you know, I knew it was important. Um, and like, I got my, my, my socks blown off, right? Like it, like, and I remember, I think like later that year, maybe the next year or something, we were learning about catharsis in like the context of Greek drama in high school. And it was like something that I immediately related to. And I thought like, yes, I've had that experience. Um, and so maybe- it's, it's, Can it's, you explain, can you explain the idea of catharsis? Um, I think Greek drama catharsis was right. It was like that you would like experience something so tragic or so comedic, like comic that you would like sort of transcend yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Like the um, your emotional output would be so overwhelming that you would like sort of transcend your physical being for and does our word catharsis come from like greek drama 
Yeah, I believe so. I, let me make sure I'm right. Let me do a little bit of fact checking right now, just because I want to make sure that I'm. Yeah, repeat it. Okay. Catharsis, the purification or purgation of emotion. Um, yeah. Uh, especially pity and fear primarily through art and criticism. Catharsis is a metaphor used by Aristotle and poetry to describe the effects of true tragedy on the spectator. And yeah, I guess that is the term that is then used. Cool, I wasn't wrong. Um, That's fascinating because I would never associate uh, Edward Albee with tragedy. you, you You just said it was hopeless and it Defected the sadness of humanity. The thing about tragedy, it has to have hope before it has hopelessness. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't trying to argue with you. I just uh yeah, I, I guess uh huh, that's interesting. But I feel like it just ends up with that exactly what you said. Like if tragedy is not I wouldn't call Virginia Woolf tragic because like yeah, the, the thing about tragedy is like it could work out. Or I, I think it could. It would, worked, it would have worked out, but for Am this. I fucked up? Like, I find the characters of Martha and George so likable. Except, like, like, except for the fact yeah, that they have, they have that ruined each other. Like, that, wow, this is, a woman, this is a woman that is so much spark and life and humor and wit. And, like, yeah. this is a guy that is thoughtful and sensitive and, like, they could be so fun together. They could be like, look at this fucking world they've come up with, and they've used this to destroy themselves. Like, mm. like I think that is tragic. Like, I think there is hope. Like, I mean, I think maybe it's like if you have a good, but like, yeah, you can see Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton in that movie, like, and in life, and be like, they were in love at one point. There is something that like attracted them. They were, and then it. So okay, I'll take that. Or there's a, tell- or there's they- a school of even um. Of like the two younger ones, right? Of like this is what's gonna happen to you. Like this is the maybe this is gonna happen to you. Oh, that is that relationship is sad and tragic. It's already tragic, you're right. I don't know if there ever was hope, but oh it is but what is it? So what is it that happens to them then? The younger couple, the older couple? No, no, no. For George and Martha. Uh so in the play, George and Martha, they're like She's no, I know, but what, but I'm what saying, happens after? I don't no, no, know. No, 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 no. I'm saying to you, what happened? You know, what oh. what is so tragic to you about them? Is it that you know? Is it like just that simple? You're not simple idea, but like the idea that time makes monsters of us all, or what is it? Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know. I think that's like the. I think there's a, or like what affected you so deeply was like you wanted them to be happy. I think like I think I think of like these people as like people that could be really fun <laughs> like they're spunky they're smart they're like they are like they're probably some of the most educated like erudite characters like ever to be on stage right and they use uh-huh. all of that power to just make themselves miserable and to like make everyone around them mis- miserable and each other destroy each other just destroy each other but there, especially in the movie, and I think it's hard to play on stage, but the, the affection that they feel for each other, in a sense, is palpable in the movie. And I think it's in the script, too. I think there's like a, a clear, 
like I think and also I think there's a sadness of like there's like it's it's such a chess game that I think that there's almost even a sad like by the end of the play they're both sad it's come to this yeah like, I think in the last like two or three pages like neither of them wants this to be the road they went down but like it was almost it like it was decided. The ending is killer. What? The ending is killer of Virginia Woolf. Um, but it's also, I mean, so the ending, right? So Virginia Woolf is about this, these two couples that get drunk, they have a crazy night. And this is going to sound really weird out of context if you haven't read it, but the, one of the main things is the older couple has this like traumatic, fake, like, I mean, this, I imagine a trauma-induced sort of like fake baby. Like they imagine, they like pretend they have this kid. Um, and I think it, and this is a couple that plays lots of games with each other and games with their people. And I think it is some sort of like framed as a game, but by the end, because of decisions they both made, George decides to have, to kill the baby, to kill the kid, to end this game. And the effect of that is is devastating on Martha. I don't really know what happens after this play. Like, I don't know, like, if they it get... Was, yeah, sorry, Colin. Like, I could see it where she has a psychic, psychotic break and, goes, and, like, gets institutionalized. I could see it where they get divorced. I could see it where they, like, I don't know, pretend nothing happened. And, like, and I don't know. Um, and it's crazy because I guess when I'm explaining it to you, it's like, it's clear that the stakes are so low. Like, it's like, like it, but it feels like on the outside, the stakes are low, right? It's about like the fate of this like weird mind game they play with each other. But when you're in the world of the play, the stakes feel astronomical. Yeah. She's afraid of fidgety walls. I don't know what that means. I don't know what it means either. But, Maybe you're afraid of um, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that means. Um, it reminded me, what you just said, as I watch this movie, so uh, the movie's um, directed by Mike Nichols, mm-hmm. whose other famous movie that I know at least is The Graduate. And it reminded me of uh, one of my favorite lines in a play, which was by Mr. John Rosenberg. And it's like one character says, uh, what happens at the end of The Graduate? And the other is like, oh no, what happens at the end of The Graduate? And, and the one character is like, I mean, what like happens afterwards they they have this moment and then what what goes on and the other character just means i haven't seen it i know we kind of talk around it but it's like so what is it that alvi's after what is it that he's after so because i think i was thinking about this too after i read the play it's like a bunch of rich people go to see this play about other rich people savaging each other right and it's like it's cathartic right Mm -hmm. 
So it's like championing the fact that we're just animals and there's no point. I mean, I think it's also cautionary, right? What's the caution? What's there? So what's the cautionary tale to it then? I mean, because like, there's no other reason that the relationship is toxic except for them, right? Like they have created a toxic, like marriage. So I, I feel like there is some like cautionary tale around like being kind to your partner or like not like, or like scoring up your resentments, right? Like getting those sort of taken care of um, so the shit doesn't happen to you. Like I, my, like, I don't know. I feel like in my marriage, like in my relationship with Henry, we've often like, we've gotten to this place where like we've gotten into fights and shit and we're like, we can't be George and Martha. <laughs> Right, like we we use them as like symbols of like dysfunction and of like of like the dangers of like barbs and bickering and like and tearing down someone you love. I don't know. I I mean I would think I would come back to like he uses these like apparently like very realistic situations or on the surface like real people speaking to like um to talk about the absurdity of existence and and the futility of relationships and i mean that's oversimplification but like yeah like i think the hopelessness is a is the point there's the other play he did I don't know if this one the Pulitzer where it's like the woman goes with her husband to meet his family and his family is incredibly abusive I don't know if I know that I haven't I've only seen uh, I think I've only seen this. I saw a delicate balance at a community theater like 15 years ago and didn't really remember it. I've seen the Zeus story a couple times and I saw that um, that goat play. I don't think I've seen any other Albie. So we're going to read um, Seascape um, in actually a few weeks. And then I think we might read Three Tall Women or we might read The Gooder Who Is Sylvia. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a goat. Oh, Sylvia, the goat is a goat called Sylvia, or is that so? It's like about someone who's in love with a goat, but like his wife at first thinks he's having an affair, but it's like, no, I'm actually in love with a goat. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, this is also it's also pretty early in his career, right? I'm interested to see like how his work develops. Um, this story was probably the first play, right. I think Zoo Story, American Dream, and then there's that stupid prequel. Um, well, that was where's he? Where's he from? I would think like Connecticut or somewhere. I don't know. Um, he's from Virginia, and he died in Montauk. He went to Valley Forge Military Academy. Mm-hmm. So his famous plays are the ones that we've named already. Uh, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? The Zoo Story, Delicate Balance, The Gooder, Who is Sylvia, and Three Tall Women. And then he's also written. I mean, yeah, the other ones I don't. The Sandbox. Marriage Play. 
he did an adaptation of Capote's Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yeah, and Lolita. And Lolita, yeah. Play about the baby, that feels like. Um, yeah. The Lorca play, I wonder what that is. Um, um, if you were going to be anyone in any of these plays, who would you be? I would want to be Martha. <laughs> uh, who would you be, John? I don't know. I don't. I don't. I yeah. I, I still just don't know what this dude is after, and it's it's Toby. it's very it's interesting because like I think usually reading these plays, you get an idea of what like the author is after or something, or like mm-hmm. like with that last one, the subject was roses. Mm-hmm. There's like a there's a humanity to it that is just completely lacking in this work. Mm. And I don't mean I don't mean it as a criticism. Like one needs one, or one doesn't need one. But it's just like uh, it's just it's it's just a very interesting feeling, like the way plays make you feel after you read them. Hmm. And that dude must have had a really fucked up world. <laughs> Yeah, and a really strange view on relationships, for sure. I would see John... I I could see John as Toby. Mm. What about you? I think Claire in this and um, and uh, um, George. Yeah, I want to see you and him play George and Martha. Oh, that's Uh, so fun. Actually, one of the closer, so, um, you know, I love theater and I've hung out with actors and um, there was an actor who thought um, because of that, I should act. And he had, he had me read um, Zoo Story. I forget the book publisher in Zoo Story, not the crazy one, the one like who's on the bench at the beginning, who kills him. Mm-hmm. And Yeah. After we read, he's like, oh, you're not an actor. But um, but he thought I was similar to that person. No, you're not. You're not similar to that dude. No? No. You you could play George. Yeah. Be my George. Richard Burton's amazing. I also, after I saw uh, um, Virginia Woolf, I watched him in Night of the Iguana, the... Um, play that was turned into a film and he was also brilliant in that have you seen boom i haven't i want so boom is it's a elizabeth taylor uh richard burton um like huge flop um based on tennessee williams play something different um it is horrendous it is amazing it's like it's iconic. It's like a gay mess. But like you can see Elizabeth Taylor is like barely standing up straight. Um, it's one of those. Um, recommend. Um, um, also, I wanted to mention um, that in the inter- intervening weeks, there was a production, a uh, Philadelphia production of Skin of Our Teeth, which I got to see, 
you read that uh, a while ago and I really enjoyed it. Um, I like made a lot more sense on stage than I, I'm, there's still some things about the play I don't really quite get, um, but seeing Which it, one is Skin of Our Teeth? It, you didn't like it. Um, it was Thornton Wilder. It was the one about the family that like kept escaping destruction. There was like, uh, Adam, and, and Eve. Was Adam and Eve ask. Oh yeah, it's called it dangerous. Switches like time periods. Oh right, the one that like you like takes place in New Jersey at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Who put this on? Quintessence. It was online only, or was it? Yeah, it was a film production um, with Rachel Bay Jones, who just who won a Tony for Evan Hansen. She was great in it, Um, but I really enjoyed it. Next week, we are going to uh, be talking about Howard Saxler's The Great White Hope, 1969. Um, it is a boxing play originally starring Jane Alexander and James Earl Jones. Who is The Great White Hope? It, it's a, it'll be about the black guy who's... Um, uh, is it Jack Johnson? Who? Yes, um, Jack Johnson was the boxer, and then he was reincarnated as a shitty songwriter. Um, I don't know. But Jack Johnson was like a heavyweight champion of the world. Who he was? He was accused of raping a white woman. Oh, and he was black. And and the great white the idea of the great white hope was like there should be some boxer who who white boxer who can beat him and and wasn't there like a German boxer who he beat or something like no you're thinking of you're thinking of Maximilian Schell Mm. and he he boxed uh, Joe Lewis that was in like the that was in the late 30s Mm. so who yeah. Jack Johnson, well, he must have. Jack been Johnson some... was like in the. He was like in the tens. Yeah. It, um, is that Dempsey? Who did he fight? Uh, oh, maybe. Out. Yeah, maybe it was. Uh, maybe it was Dempsey. So that's what this play is about. Well, we will find out next week. Until then, say good night, folks. Good night, oh, folks. Dear. But how do you thank some